Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thank you for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about why and how you matter. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to ask you to subscribe to this podcast. If you're anything like me, then you have a whole bunch of podcasts that you find really valuable for your life. But if you don't subscribe, then you probably don't listen to those podcasts. Subscribing is free, and if you'll do it, then every Tuesday after we upload these sermons online, you'll get a little notification from your podcast player telling you that we have a new episode online. And so I really, really do hope that you'll subscribe. I think it would be helpful for you in remembering to listen to these sermons. At the same time, if you find these sermons to be valuable, then I also would hope that you would leave us a rating and or review. I was recently reminded about the power of sermons going out into the internet. On Instagram, we asked a question, how did you hear about our church? And we were surprised when somebody simply responded by saying podcast. And so we probed a little bit further and this woman had searched for something specific in a podcast player and she had found our sermons and she's been listening to them ever since. Here's the reality. When you leave a rating and review on our podcast, it helps for more stories like this to happen. It helps more people find our sermons and listen to them, and hopefully then they are impacted by the things that we preach. And so I just hope that you'll consider at least taking just a minute to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast at. We would sincerely appreciate it. Again, I thank you for listening, and I really do hope that this sermon will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Driving down my I-5 the other day, and I, I saw a cow out sitting in a field by himself in the fog, and, and normally for most people I think that would, that would uh, not inspire anything inside of you, but I see this cow, he's out in a foggy field looking kind of lonely, and, and immediately I think, I wish I could stop the car on I-5, crawl over the fence, and take his picture because, because it's very picturesque of this cow to stand alone in the fog right now. And, and here's why. I'm, I'm just, I, I, I like photography, and I've kind of always liked photography, but then, uh, then Steve Jobs gave us the iPhone, and it allowed for me to not have to carry a camera bag around, and, and so I can take pictures wherever I go. And as an extension of that, I have a place to share those pictures called Instagram. And so uh, a lot of my life, I, I, I just see through the lens of pictures. It just works out that way. A, a normal moment will look extraordinary to me in large part because, because I think something is picturesque. I think that something is worth taking a picture of. And frankly, just this, this mindset, it, it changes the way in which you view the world. It, it takes a cow from being a cow in a field doing nothing, to being a cow that should have his picture taken, a cow that needs to be photographed. It happens with old cars, it happens with railroad tracks, it happens with flowers, it happens just about everywhere I go because, because at some point, for whatever reason, my mind started to think through a lens, you know, quite literally. It started to think through a lens and how things would play out. Uh, and, and so, I see the world that way. I, I think when it comes to more important issues, there are, there are a few ways in which we can see the world 
that will change everything that we experience and how we experience it. I think that there are certain mindsets that we can have or not have that will determine the way in which we view almost everything that we experience, everything that we go through in life, everything that we deal with. And frankly, and here maybe is the most important part of this whole series, it changes how we view ourselves. And this series, I think, is one of those things. I think that as I preach the next four sermons on you mattering, the goal is that it would so change your perspective that everything that you could have looked at as just a cow in a field, unconsequential, unimportant, maybe even bad, maybe even ugly, all of a sudden you'll see it with a new frame of reference that will allow you to go, oh, this is different than last week. Uh, I believe that one of the greatest things that God ever did for me, it's not going to be the Sunday school answer, one of the greatest things that God ever did for me is he helped me to understand my purpose. He helped me to understand, frankly, that I matter. And I don't just mean in the kind of general way that sometimes we think, yeah, all people are important, all of that stuff. I mean, God, from the time I was a kid, in a variety of ways, helped me to see that me being on this earth was important. I'm not going to give you any details. You can ask me about them over coffee sometime. But man, my childhood was, was really rough. I mean, most of the parenting I do is to uh, help my kids not experience anything like the things that I experienced. It was hard. It was hard. And when I look back and look at the ages of my kids now and think, this is what you were going through then, it almost doesn't make sense to me. It's dreamlike. Like, how did you deal with that? How did you overcome those things? But in the midst of all of it, as I just said, God somehow, some way, through a variety of things, just said, you, you are important. You matter. And what it's done for me is it's helped me to filter all of those events through the, the idea, the lens that, that I matter and I'm important. And so if I went through those things... Well, they must be important for me. What do I do with them? How do I, how do I look back on them and, and use them and, and help others through them? And what does this mean? It's like God just said, you, you're important. And so that's your lens for everything that you experience. If I let you go through it, if I let you deal with it, if I let you see it, then you just need to know. You need to know that I still value you. You are important. You matter to me. I mean, part of that, I'll just, a part of that is coming from, uh, from a family that ha I had many people who just told me, right? Like, hey, we value, you're important. They didn't just tell me, they showed me that I mattered to them. Part of that came through, frankly, sports, just uh, understanding a role on a team. And I know that's such a small issue, but I saw at a very early age how, how if I do good things, then I can help others feel good and be excited about what we accomplish together and if I don't do well then 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 you know that's no good or if I don't show up more if I don't show up because I'm sick or you know I'm hurt or whatever then it has a negative effect on other people and and so I saw that just in this little thing called sports like I matter I matter to this team and so if I'm sick I need to go anyway if I don't like it I need to go anyway I just need to be there because because I matter and I think that's kind of come into my life and helped me to Help me to realize that I'm important to a team, whether that team is my family or my church or, you know, anything else. And 
And, and then I had people uh, from the time I was really young just recognize that, that I was a gifted communicator and uh, that I would communicate for life. I mean, I have this music teacher that I'm now friends with on Facebook, Mrs. Adine, and uh, I didn't even know her very well, and I hated music class. I, in fact, was singing just a minute ago, and my mic was going into the system, and Drew, who's running the soundboard, said, whoa, something scared me in the headphones. Like, I was like, who did they let on stage? Like, this is bad. Uh, that was me singing, and so you can imagine me going to music class next to these, you know, the girls I was trying to impress, and my friends, and and then having to sing, it's not, not a pretty picture at all. Uh, but Mrs. Hedin, I don't know why, I don't remember doing anything. She looked at me on more than one occasion, looked at my family and said, man, Chad is going to talk into a microphone someday. I don't know if he's going to be on the news or an actor or what. I don't know, but Chad is, is gifted to speak to people. Wow, I, I matter. And then at some point, I started giving little sermons and Bible studies, and people would come up and be like, that, that impacted me. That, that was effective for my soul. And, and, and I just, you know, I, 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 I matter. I, I'm important to these people. I have a gift that, that can help people. Now here, look, you can probably guess this already. The whole sermon series is called You Matter. It's not called Chad Matters. I believe that you, that you matter too. But I think a lot of people don't realize it. I think a lot of people don't think they matter. If you asked them for the Sunday school answer, they might say like, yeah, I, sure, like there's value to human life and all of those things, but they feel like they don't really matter. Um, and it factors in, man, I think it factors into so many things. If you don't believe that you matter, and I don't mean like you, you're valuable, you're important. I mean like you really matter. We need you. Like you, you need to be here. You have a job to do and a role and inherent worth and value and all those things. But man, you're important. You're important. I think it factors into so many things. I think, I, I think people are lazy. They just don't do anything. I know a lot of people, a lot of young men, frankly, that are just, they just don't seem to have any ambition at all. And I don't think it's because they don't want to be hard workers or, or, or they're, you know, inherently lazy. I think it's because they don't think they really matter. And it's like, well, I don't really matter. And so it doesn't matter if I get up and go and find a better job or do a job with purpose or whatever, because I'm just not that, I'm just not that important. I, I believe that this is at the at foundational for so many people that struggle with depression. And I understand and believe in a clinical type depression, but I think that that clinical depression is magnified. And sometimes people who aren't clinically depressed become depressed because they just don't feel like they matter at all. I don't know if you've ever been jobless for any amount of time at all. I was jobless for just my whole life, you know, as an adult, just for a couple of months. And even in that couple of months after college, before I started working in a batting cage, like, it was easy to be depressed. Like, what's the purpose of this? Why am I getting up in the morning? I might as well stay up late and watch movies and, and get up late and do nothing else in between, you know, because I, what's the purpose? I don't really matter, you know, I don't matter to anybody right now, and I know people, there's people in our congregation who were, who were off work for extended periods of time, and they've told me it was really hard not to get depressed because I just felt, you know, like it didn't matter, like it didn't matter. I, I think that this is why we, we've seen suicide rates go up so, you know, rapidly and so, 
staggeringly in, in our country today because I think our culture is saying more and more people don't matter, right? We've, we've taught that in a variety of ways. I think we've taught that in certain pieces of legislation. We've taught that in the way that we uh, abort children so frequently and so often. We've taught that in, in, in pushing for euthanasia to be legalized, and I'll come back to that in a second. But we've really said to people, and now young people have grown up with it forever, right? Like, you, you don't really matter. I mean, you kind of matter, you know, like we like you and everything, but you don't really matter. You can go away whenever you want to, and that'll be okay. And, and so then people kill themselves. There's a story that I've been kind of following about this girl who, who told her boyfriend, have you seen this story? She's up for parole right now. She encouraged him to commit suicide. He was thinking about doing it, and she pushed him, and these text messages are so indicative of the problems in our society when it comes to the value of people. She's like, you want to. You have all the things. It'll go well. You'll get the job done. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. And he believed her, and he did it. And she did it like so that she could cry on social media and have people like her pictures or something. I think that was the, the reasoning behind it. And what does that say? She didn't feel like she mattered either. And she needed something to mean she mattered. My boyfriend died. She could be the victim. And now she's spending time in prison. I think it's why people do drugs. They just don't feel like they matter. And so they self-medicate. Man, I think this is behind school shootings. So many of the shootings in our country could be prevented if people the people who did them just knew that they mattered you matter you're important don't do this we value you you don't have to do anything to make a name for yourself because you are important i said i'd come back to euthanasia i read this story man i cannot believe this story is real i hope that afterwards you'll you'll find out that it wasn't and i read some piece of fake news but i think it was a real story there was this girl who was raped and uh, another country, this is another country, at 13 years old, and she spent the next four years of her life, you know, trying to get over that, being depressed, struggling to overcome anxiety and, you know, depression and all of these things that, that can come out of uh, something as evil and traumatic as that. And doctors in whatever country she's from just allowed for her to be euthanized because her life was hard because she had been raped at 13 and was struggling. They said, that's good enough. You can kill yourself. And she's dead now. They looked at this, this little girl who had been hurt by some evil person. And they said, ah, that damage has been done. You don't really matter enough anymore. Now, they might have said it in a nicer way. We don't want you to struggle or whatever. But that's synonymous with you don't matter. Uh, I think that the thing that could change our lives and the way that we view all of our struggles, all of the hurts, all of the things that we do, good and bad, is if we really embraced the idea that we matter, that you matter. Because this is not a societal issue, right? It's a you issue. I know that we each have moments where we kind of feel like, do I really matter? Am I really important? Am I really valuable? And, uh, and some of you have spent your whole lives, I think, whether consciously or unconsciously, asking that question, do I really matter? Do I? And it's my goal in this series to answer that question biblically with an emphatic yes. Uh, according to God and the word that he left for us, you, you matter. 
There's a variety of ways that we'll see that, and I think that all of them are going to be very important. But we're going to start in the very beginning at creation. When God created us, the creation story is so beautiful because it shows how clearly as people we matter. And here's, here's where I want to begin. In Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, this is after he's created everything else, it says, Then God said, let us make mankind. Let me pause right there and just say, this by itself is incredibly important. You were created by the God of the universe. The fact that you were made means that you matter. You matter, in fact, because you were made. I, I, if you know me, you already, you already know this about me. I'm terrible at building things, but I made this cross. You can probably tell that I made it and not somebody that knows what they're doing. You'll notice it's missing a peg over here. You'll also notice it's a little crooked and the cuts are pretty terrible. I don't know why I made this cross. And yet, let me just tell you, I keep this cross in a very prominent place in my office, in my garage office, uh, not in the house. I don't think Bryn would allow that. But I keep this in a prominent place in my office primarily because I made it. It's valuable to me because I made it. That's the only reason. I could go buy a better cross. You say, well, it's a cross. Of course, you're a pastor. No, that's not really it. I, I have a cross around my neck right now. I could have one of my brother-in-laws make me a cool cross. You know, like there's a lot of ways to get a much better looking cross. But I value this one simply because at some point in my life, I took some time and I said, I'm going to do my best to make this cross. If you could see the back, which I, you can't because it's still on here, which is a miracle in and of itself. But I have spots where I was trying to draw the pencil lines that I totally messed up. And you can see all the mistakes. And I never got around to, to uh, what's the, finishing it, like, you know, the stuff that you put on it. Staining it, that's the word I'm looking for. But yet it matters to me because, because I made it. And it's not only true for the things that we make. When somebody that we value makes something, it becomes important to us. My dad had this recipe box that I made in shop class. Didn't really open or close. Was a danger to any kid that would be around it because it would cut you. And uh, it was just a horrible mess of a thing. Forgive me. The OJ trial was going on that year in my life. There was a lot of things to think about. But, like, it's just a terrible thing. And he kept it for a long time in his garage. He'd put little things in it. He still has the greatest thing that I ever built because my grandpa helped me a lot. But a footstool, wood footstool. Maybe he got rid of it now. But he kept it forever because why? I made it. My family, in fact, kept every single thing that I ever did from kindergarten through my last year of college, and I've slowly been taking it into my house and shoving it in a closet to burn someday. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but like, if I made, if I made anything, if I made a sign in the second grade, I have it. If I fail the test in the fourth grade, I have it. And the reason that they've kept these things is not because fourth graders' bad tests are important Except for they look at me and they say, well, Chad did that. We should value human life because human life was created by God. In fact, I think we should value all life. I won't get into it this morning, but this is the reason I don't kill spiders. I know, I'm weird. Uh, but, but I think we should value all life, but specifically, and we'll see this in a minute, we should value human life. But look, don't just take this in a general sense. I should value the people next to me and all of that. I want you to understand that this morning, this morning that you matter 
And you matter in large part because you were made by the God of the universe. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You are not some uh, piece of happenstance that happened only through an evolutionary process. God looked down and he wanted you to be on this earth. And so, as we'll see next week, he formed you while you were in your mother's womb to be you. You are not an accident. You were made by the creator of the world. And this means that you matter. You matter. Again, don't generalize it. It's not like all people matter. It's like, no, you. You wouldn't be here if God hadn't made you. He wanted you to be on this earth. That makes you pretty important. And then it continues. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Now, there's a bunch of debate about what this is, and I'll kind of cover a few things that it might mean. Uh, and part of the debate is this, is image and likeness the same thing? The Gospel Coalition uh, wrote this, Of course, it, it is obvious and striking that humans do possess intellectual and relational capacities that set them apart from animals. It is also painfully obvious that our moral failures make us very poor images. But this doesn't mean likeness is the same as image. Rather, being like God is what enables us to function as God's images. You are made in the image of God and you possess the likeness of God. Genesis 5, 1 through 3 says, this is written, this is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and he named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. You see what happens here. Adam is created in the image and likeness of God. Eve is created in the image and likeness of God. And when they have children, the image and the likeness of those children remains. Now, there's a really big event in between the two verses that I've read so far, and that event we call the fall. That's when sin entered in the world. That's when the world went from being perfect and you know, without any flaw or failure, nobody died, everything was good, to being, you know, like we know it now with sin and pain and suffering and all of that. And you might think, well, well, wait a minute. Do I retain the image of God? But look what has happened. Adam has a child after becoming a sinner, after becoming a failed human. He has a child with his wife Eve and, and his image and likeness, which is the image and likeness of God, is passed down to Seth. And that image and likeness has been being passed down for generation after generation. I don't have enough time to say all the generations until it got to you. And so you were made, but you were not just made. You were made in the image and likeness of God. In Genesis 9, 6, and 7, it says, Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. This is a part of the flood story. When God basically says, we're starting over with a single family on earth because things are so bad. And he looks at this family and says, but still, I outlaw murder. Well, of course, he outlaws murder. You can't kill people. Because people, even after all that sin, where God was so fed up that he just wanted to start humanity over, after all that, the people still contained, they still were made in the image and likeness of God. In the Midrash, which is a series of, of Jewish commentaries on the Old Testament, it, it connects the, 
the first and sixth commandments. I am the Lord your God and do not murder. And then they say, harming a human is like attacking God. Wow. That means we matter, right? God's saying, well, you don't murder, not because it's mean or whatever. It's because that person matters because they were made by me and they were made in my image and with my likeness. And so then there's this debate on what, what does that mean? What does that look like on a practical level? And you're probably wondering, wondering the same thing. And there's mainly these three views about what that means. And I'm not going to dive too deeply in them. In fact, I'm just going to read some Wikipedia quotes on the first two, which has a, it was a great resource for this sermon. It saved me a lot of time. But, uh, but the first is a substantive view. And this is like you have self-awareness and reason and spiritual discernment and kind of all of these mental faculties, I would call them spiritual things, that your dog doesn't have, right? I mean, we have these things that, that animals do not have. And, and a lot of people would say that this is what makes us, that shows that we are created in the image and likeness of God. Here's uh, what Wikipedia says. This view locates the image of God within the psychological or spiritual makeup of the human being. The view holds that there are similarities between humanity and God, thus emphasizing characteristics that are shared of shared substance between both parties. I would just say like, yeah, I think our intellect, our ability to reason, our ability to, to be emotional and connect, uh, like this, this makes us matter more than the spider that I mentioned earlier, right? Like it's quite clear, even though there's, you know, it seems like growing movement of, of people who would just say, yeah, humans are no better than animals or whatever, but, but clearly we are. Clearly we are. We think we're logical we possess something that is different than the animals, all of the other creation. And, and that is the image and the likeness of God. The second one is the relational viewpoint. And this viewpoint says that that's really what, what means what it is to be created in the image and likeness of God is that we have the ability for relationship, specifically relationship to God. We are God's image bearers because we we can connect to God in ways that the rest of creation cannot. Again, Wikipedia. Later theologian, theologians like Karl Barth and Emil Brunner argue that it is our ability to establish and maintain complex and intricate relationships that make us like God. And then the last one, which has grown in popularity uh, lately, is called the functional viewpoint. And this is the idea, and I think contextually this probably fits best, but this is the idea that, that we have dominion over the earth, that our function and our role on this earth is like God because we were created in his image and likeness. We'll see in just a second that God says, I want you to subdue this earth that I have created. I want you to rule over this earth that I have created. The animals are not told that at all. But for now, before I get to the further on the functional view, you can, you can pick one. I don't really care. <laughs> I'm not going to give you an answer this morning. I, and if you've been at our church for any length of time, you know that when I see three viewpoints in front of me and they all seem logical and good, I, I usually think the best answer is to go, yes, I think that sounds great. 
I believe that, that we are in the image and likeness of God because we have the ability to think and to rationalize and to be spiritual beings and not just physical creatures. I believe that we were made in the image and likeness of God because we can relate to others in a way that no animal can and we can relate to the God of the universe which is so cool and, and points so clearly to how we matter and I believe that, that we were created in the image of God so that we might rule and subdue we might make progress on this earth as people. Victor Hamilton says it is clear that verse 26 is not interested in defining what is the image of God in man. The verse simply states the fact which is repeated in the following verse. Genesis 1:26 simply states that to be human is to bear the image of God. You were made in the image of of God, you matter because you were made in the image of God. You possess qualities and, and abilities and roles and relational uh, skills that, that, that no other part of creation has. And this means you matter. This means you matter. But the end of this here points to that functional view. And man, I think it's more important than maybe we, we see at first glance. And uh, Genesis 1.26, it says, so that, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. I uh, was going to try to explain this to you, but I, I found this incredible video by the Bible Project. Man, if you haven't heard of the Bible Project, it's this series of videos produced out of Portland, Oregon, actually, uh, that is absolutely incredible for explanations on books in the Bible and themes that run throughout the Bible. And I want to take uh, a couple of minutes here and, and show you what they had to say, uh, part of what they had to say about this topic being created in the image of God. and then the 
businesses or cities or banks, places and so on. So ruling is really the day-to-day task of our work and creativity. Yeah, and takes the world somewhere. This is humanity's divine Two quotes that are very important from that video. People aren't to make images of God because God has already made images of himself. And then this other, just half of a phrase really, move the human project forward. Here's my question that I think is so important for you understanding that you matter. How are you helping the human project move forward? I think that a lot of people who don't understand that they matter, who don't feel like they matter, who have never embraced the fact that they matter, aren't striving to fulfill this God-given purpose. I don't think it's just about cultivating land anymore, as they kind of alluded to at the end. I don't think it's about making sure that animals are, you know, put in their place and having livestock and all of that. I think the question now for us is how are we moving this human project forward? How are we expanding the kingdom of God for the glory of God? And if we're not doing it, if we're not fulfilling our purpose, then obviously we're going to feel like we don't matter. Here's a challenge, man. If you, if you think you don't matter, if you struggle just being depressed because you're like, I'm not valuable, would it, would it matter if I'm gone? Would anybody miss me? And, and, and here's, here's, here's just one thing, so simple. But I think if every person did this, it would just change their perspective and their paradigm. Pick one thing that you think will make the world better and bring glory to God. One single thing and then make sure that you start working to make it happen. Pick one thing. If you think that, that kids that are in foster care need more help, then do that. Something that we are a part of at this church that's valuable to us. If, if you think that, that homeless people need to be fed, then you, you go feed homeless people. If you have a country in your heart that you think, man, I would love to help them, then find a way to help the people in that country. If you're into disaster relief, something else that our denomination is really good at, then man, just start helping when there's a hurricane or whatever there might be. I mean, pick something and move it forward. Move the world forward. Move the human project forward for the glory of God. Here's, here's what I think happens. You don't feel like you matter because you go to a job that, that you feel like doesn't have any purpose and you work it and then you come home and you don't do anything and, 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 and there's this giant God-given purpose. He said, look, I'll create you in my image and my likeness so that you can keep this thing going. I created it. You move it forward. And we don't do it. And so we don't feel like we matter so pick something now i understand that man the I, the world is terrible at times and we're so uh, bombarded now with news that, that I think what has happened to us in our society, especially with young people, is they, they look and they say, there's so many problems. Like, I can't make a dent in this. You know, if you lived before the internet, most of you did for, you know, half your life anyway, and, and you, you, you didn't know about all the terrible things, you could just pick something in town and say, well, that's a problem, I'll work on it. But what if we all just picked a problem and said, I'm going to do my best to move the human project forward, to fulfill my divine purpose. I think that all of us would understand more clearly how much we matter. 
I think because of, of this bombarding of information, we see so many bad things. I think that young people are like, I can't do anything. And then there's this other thing that happens. They also play the comparison game. Well, I'm never going to do as much as that guy who's on social media and has a million followers and really seems to be making a difference. I mean, what does it matter if I take lunch to my neighbor? Because I'm never going to be that person. And, and here's what happens, I think. People play this comparison game and so they don't do anything and instead a lot of young men and and I like video games but let me just let me just say it and I'm sorry to all of you video game players but they just turn to things like Minecraft I have a picture of Minecraft for you Minecraft if you don't know it not inherently bad games is not the anti-Minecraft uh, you know whatever I'd rather do an anti-Pokemon one but uh just kidding uh but but Minecraft is this game I think where you use pixels of color to create things I'm sorry if you're a fan you're like I hate him I'm never coming back to this church but like you use pixels to make buildings and airplanes and cities and empires you 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 take you take this game that somebody created and it is your job then to move it forward to move the Minecraft project forward <laughs> and people that is our job, but our job is to move God's creation forward, not the developer of Minecraft. But I think people ha have so many things that they can't do that they just say, oh, I'll, I'll play a video game because there I can, you know, I can really get things done. Or, or they say, well, I'm never going to make that big of a difference, but if I, just, if I get on the server, then, man, I could build something big. And God's up above saying, no, wait, I've given you this purpose on earth go build something go do something and use your small amount of free time to play minecraft but use the majority of your time to to move my project forward to take my creation forward for the glory of my name not the glory of yours I would hate to be young right now because, because I, I was born into a world where I thought, man, I could just make a difference in my city. But now it's like, wow, everything I, you just hear stuff and it's like, how can I? And the comparison, all that. I get that if you're young, I'm sorry, it's tough. If you're younger than me, it's tough. But pick something. You've been created in the image and likeness of God for a purpose, to move God's creation forward for his glory. Pick something and then go do it. Pick something and go do it. You matter because you were made for a purpose, a big purpose, a good purpose. So live out that purpose. And then we read in Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over all the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Two things are important here. First, the emphasis is on people being made in the image of God. He says it again, right? He wants them to know, and it's man and woman. Notice that, by the way. It's man and woman, not just man. Man and woman are created in the image of God. There's a lot of other things that we could say about this passage, but I think that one of the most important things we can look at is the word blessed. Now, to be clear, God actually blesses the animals, too, in his creation. It's really interesting. He blesses them, but there's this, this subtle but important difference. The animal's got a blessing and then a little command. And here, God 
looks at his new creation people and he says to them, he says it to them, and this little distinction shows us that our relationship to God is so different than the animals. The animals are this thing that God has created with a purpose and a good purpose. They matter, but not in the way that we matter as humans because God turns and he looks at us and he says, hey, you're blessed. You're blessed. The word refers to kneeling down, and I don't know the etymology of it at all, but I picture a knight, right? Like a knight kneels down, queen, I think it's the queen, I'm not English, but the queen does her little thing with the sword, and then he stands up, and he's a knighted man, and then there's these responsibilities and these certain things that you have to, you know, do or whatever. And and I would just imagine, how much would you realize that you matter if somebody knighted you? I would be so arrogant if I got knighted. I would probably stop being referred to as Chad and just go by Knight Chad from then on. I don't care if you ever call me pastor. That's not a big deal to me. I'm not a title guy. My children call me Chad, but if I was knighted, it would be Knight Daddy. Uh, If I was knighted, I would be Knight Chad to you forevermore because I would realize it said something about my importance and my value. It would say something about how much I matter to this world. And I think in this single word, this word blessed, God has said, it's like you're bowing down before me and I am knighting you as my treasured special creation. You are, you are the special part of creation. You, you're the most important, you're the most valued, you are the part of creation that matters most. You are the blessed part of creation. John Walton even says this blessing serves as a foundation for the theological message of Genesis. In Genesis 9-7, I want to point this out. After God had declared all food acceptable to eat, including meat, and, and then he said, look, murder is punishable by death. I read this to you already. He says, as for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply <clears throat> on the earth and increase upon it. He wants people to multiply. Now, this is, look, look, this is not a command to have more children. I value every single children. A single mom comes to me whose boyfriend's just left her. It's all bad. I will say congratulations because we think that every child is, is valuable and important. And if a child is conceived, then they matter because of God. But the, the com- it's not a command here. This is, this is God saying, look how much I love you. I want more of you. I want more of you because you are my special creation. You're my special creation. Even after the fall, even after the flood, you still matter. You matter far more than animals. A.M. Walter said, he's an author, commentary writer, people must now carry on the work of development. By being fruitful, they must fill the earth even more. By Subduing it, they must form it even more. Mankind, as God's representatives on earth, carry on where God left off. But this is now to be a human development of earth. The human race will fill the earth with its own kind and will form the earth for its own kind. From now on, the development of the created earth will be societal and cultural in nature. In a single word, the task ahead is civilization, and you matter because you are supposed to be a part of that civilization and creating it. That's a big Deal, you matter because you were blessed by your creator and you were blessed in a different way than any other part of his creation. 
oh, but then I love this. This is how it ends, and this is so cool, and I had never noticed it before, and I've read Genesis a lot, and uh, I don't know if you're like me, but I've read through the Bible many times now, but in you know, the earlier days of being serious about my faith, I'd say, I'm going to read through the Bible, and I'd always get through Genesis. And so I've read this so many times, I'd not ever get through Leviticus, but I always got through Genesis. So I've read this so many times that I've never noticed it. Listen to Genesis 1, 29 through 31. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. I emphasize that very because here's what happens. God creates everything else and he looks and he says it's good. And then God creates humans and we almost read the exact same thing except for now he says, this is very good. You are the very in the very good creation of God. It's you. It's not the animals. It's not the, man, I love, like I said, I like photography, so I love sunsets. I, I have a new obsession with flowers because of photography. I, I, I love looking at pretty things. But they're not the very and very good you are. And, and, and this world is trying to tell you it's not true. You're just like an animal. You just happen to evolve a little bit more. You don't really matter that much. It is. It's trying to tell you that. I, I, it's devaluing human life. And I'm not, I'm not, you know this if you've been around, I'm not the Christian versus culture guy. That's not me. It's not who I am. Not at all. But the world is, our country is telling us more and more that we don't really matter. And God looks down and says, you do for a variety of reasons. But one of those is that you are the very and my very good creation. You matter because your creator declared his creation very good. Let me just say them all again. You matter because you were made. You matter because you were made in the image and likeness of your creator. You matter because you were made for a purpose. You matter because you were blessed by your creator. You matter because your, decla- your creator declared his creation very good. And this morning, what I want you to hear is that you matter. Not in some theoretical sense. Uh, not in some theological sense only. You really and truly matter. And the reason you matter is because our God was gracious enough to create you to matter. Now, now I know we're going we're gonna to leave here. With you. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands if you want prayer in just a minute. I'm going to do that. But I just before I get to that, I just, I just want to say, uh, biblically speaking, the words of God, there is... There is no debate. There's no debate. You matter. The only question becomes, are you going to believe what your creator has declared about how much you matter? That's the only question. Are you going to believe the lies of this world that I think Satan is behind? Or are you going to believe the truths of the one who created you? And he has said so clearly, so emphatically from the very beginning, the first story, man, I mean, the first story, it's like you matter. 
I think there's two points to all of Genesis 1. God created and you matter. God created and you matter. God created and you matter. You matter because God created. And I know that some of you that sit in front of me, you might believe my words, but it will be hard for you. It will be hard for you to overcome this. And and this morning I want to pray. And so will everybody here bow your heads this morning? And and, and man, just, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to, call you out I won't even ask you about it later if you don't want me to but if you are a person who has really struggled to understand to feel like to embrace the truth that God has declared that you matter will you put your hand up so that I can just take a moment and pray for you specifically don't be shy you can put them nice and high everybody may look that doesn't matter one more time, I'm going to give you one more shot. I know some of you are just, you're thinking like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make this commitment publicly. But if you've struggled to understand that you matter, but you want to believe the truth of God, will you put your hand up? I thank you for those hands. Put them down. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I pray for those people who have just put their hands up. And I ask, Lord, that they would not believe the lies that this world tells them. I, I, I pray, God, that they would not believe the lies this world tells them. Uh, as far as humans not mattering, but I pray they wouldn't believe the lies that the world tells them as far as them mattering, God, because I believe, uh, and this is just coming into my head now, God, that, that the world tells us that we matter if we're, if we're good looking enough, we matter if we make enough money, we matter if we're popular enough, we matter if people like us enough, we matter if we have a good enough job, we matter if we, if we jump through a certain amount of hoops, if we have an education, whatever it might be, but God, you said they mattered as soon as as you created them in fact they matter because you created them and I pray that they would not just believe it mentally but you would saturate their hearts with the truth that they matter because they were created by you the incredibly good and gracious creator I pray God for all of us that Lord we would not as my uncle would say, we would not shirk our duty, Lord, that we, Lord, would, would every day remember that we matter and that we would do our best to move the human project forward. I pray that we would do our best, God, to make a difference in this world for your glory. I pray that we would work to expand your kingdom on this earth, God. And Lord, I want to say before I finish that I'm reminded right now about what we'll celebrate in communion, that you died for us, Lord. And we'll talk about that so fully in a few weeks and what that says about how much we matter, Lord. But, but I pray, God, that we all would remember that not only did you create us, but you loved us even after we turned our backs on you and you chose to die for our sins because we mattered to you. I pray that every person here, every person who will listen online will understand that Know it, God, and embrace it. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.